Before we get to this week's episode, which is awesome, I promise, I just want to take a minute of your time. I'm here with Richard Chin Kui. We Hello. are asking for your um, support, actually. Um, you know, we make the, uh, the show at WGCU Public Radio in Fort Myers. This week is our uh, summer uh, pledge drive. That's when uh, we reach out to our terrestrial radio listeners and ask them for their support by calling a certain number. Um, we can't make this show without WGCU. We make it in their studios in, under the umbrella of WGCU and all it does. And so please just take a moment to call 1-800-533-9428. That's 1-800-533-WGCU. You don't have to do it this week. The operators are always standing by. Any gift of support that you can give to this station makes us stronger at Three Song Stories and makes us able literally to do what we do. Yeah, your support pays for the shows that uh, happen here at WGCU. Uh, they they pay for the programs with donations like this, and uh, I'm the guy who gets that bill, so I can tell you that it is about a half million dollars for the radio programming, which is a hefty load, but not for the listenership in the area. And as a Three Song Story listener, you might not even be in that area, but... When you give to WGCU, it helps us to pay for those programs, which then frees Mike and I up to do things like Three Song Stories, which we just like to do. Uh, we enjoy making the show. And honestly, you know, if you if you enjoy the content, it is uh, worth supporting it. Uh, Mike is fond of saying that radio worth listening to is radio worth supporting. And that's true for podcasts. Um, if you listen, if you've listened for every episode, if you've got binged listened, I know a few people who have binged listened through uh, the entire catalog up to this point. Uh, and you and you've never given to WGCU or donated to you know public radio. This is a great time to do it. Uh, you know we we will surely appreciate that. Give us a call eight hundred five three three nine four two eight or go to our home website wgcu.org. There's a big donate button there you can give. It's really easy and it's really fast and it does make a huge difference. It really does make what we're doing here on Three Song Stories possible. And we love what we're doing here on Three Song Stories. It is so energizing. We're doing it around the edges of our normal jobs. You know, I'm a producer of a daily talk show, and Richard is our uh, production and program manager. He's who keeps things on the air sounding smooth here at WGCU. So we sneak in on Fridays with our guests, like today's guest, which is awesome. And um, and it's just, it's energizing. And it's uh, it's so close to making real radio that we just love it. And But we can't do it without your support. So really think about it. If you can't, no big deal. If you can, do it. We would really appreciate it. You guys are our heroes for listening and for giving. Uh, we're so glad that you enjoy the show and our hearts really go out to thank you for those of it, those of you who can give. One more time, the number is 800-533-9428. That's 800-533-WGCU. You can give on WGCU.org. You can give on the WGCU app. doesn't matter how you do it as long as you can. Please give us a call. Here's the show. One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the sonic space where musical memories turn our guests' storyteller superpowers on full blast. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for listening. To call my guest today a woman about town would be an understatement. She's probably the very definition of that phrase here in Fort Myers. Stephanie Davis, better known as the downtown diva or just diva, has been a fixture on the southwest Florida social scene since the 90s. Her diva diaries is featured weekly in Florida Weekly, but it dates back further than that. She's written for many other publications over the years, including the News Press and Gulf Shore Life. If you've ever picked up a Florida Weekly, you've seen countless photographs she's taken with her iPhone. She's been a radio personality dating all the way back to the early 90s when she was on 99X. You can hear her these days on Sunday afternoons on 93X, but that's just the beginning. She's also an acclaimed actress. She's appeared in scores of productions at theaters all across southwest Florida, including Florida Rep, where she was a founding staffer, and Theater Conspiracy at the Alliance, and Lab Theater, etc., etc. She's also directed shows over the years, and she often hosts gala events and stuff like that. Let's just say the diva gets around, and I'm proud to say she's been one of my friends since we first crossed paths at a 99X remote in downtown Fort Myers, sometime time around 1996, which means this three songs process is going to be fun for the both of us. I just know it. Hey there, Stephanie. 
Hey, Mike. That looked like that wore you out a little bit hearing all the great stuff you do. I just got a little tired. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get started down this path. When did you first start in radio, or what got you started in radio? Because that's where I first met you. You were a radio person to me before you were any of those other things we just talked. I just talked about. Well, um, it was. Let's see, my son was. Oh, gosh, I think he was about a year old, and I got hired to be a board operator at Light and Easy 99 WQEZ, uh-huh. uh, and it was an automated station. Did you seek that job out, or was it just a job? Oh, I always wanted to be in radio. I I was um, – I loved music. I – okay, so <laughs> – okay, so I – when I was – I think 17. Mm-hmm. A and that was of, here, right? Yeah, it was here when I was 17 Fort in beach? Fort Myers. Um, uh, yeah, I lived on the beach, but uh, a girlfriend and I um, went to, I don't know if you remember a bar called Rafferty's. I remember it by name, but I don't think I was ever a part of that scene. Okay, it was in the, um, what's now the Rafters Mall. Like, I yeah, yeah, it yeah, the, yeah Rafters the Rafters Mall. Mall. <laughs> this is how long I've lived in South So that's Florida. like, yeah, that's, uh, that's like uh, Winkler and yes. Uh, college. Yes. Right. Yes. So she was 21. I was 17. She got me into the bar. We danced. We had fun. We met these two guys, and they turned out to be radio DJs. They, they worked at Wink. And uh, we started hanging out with them and uh, started I, – I was dating one. She was dating the other. And uh, he – his name is Mike and he would uh, take me up to the station when he was working. So I was – you know, 17 and just looking around and I mean, I'm in, I'm in this room now and I look around and I, I see the, the foam on the walls and, um, you know, the, the microphones and I, I just, I just, I just wanted to do radio. I wanted to talk on the radio. And so, um, uh, later on, I, I, he, he and I broke up. We're actually still friends. It's funny. And, and, um, but, uh, I, I got married to, you know, one of my high school sweethearts and he was in the Air Force and we went up to Eglin Air Force Base in Fort Walton Beach and we were, um, married and we had our son. And then after, um, my ex got out of the, the service, we came back to Fort Myers and, um, we got really married really young, so we we separated really young. <laughs> and uh, there was an ad in the paper, and it said, you know, board operator and for a radio station, and and I I jumped at it, and it was it was amazing. I think I made, I think it was like four dollars and seventy five cents an hour. When did you get your first on air gig? Um, well, that would have been Cat Country one hundred seven FM. Um, that was. Uh, uh, I guess I was probably maybe a year or more after that. Um, I got uh, hired there. I, I heard that they were launching the station. Um, at that time, I hated country music. I now have an appreciation for it. But at that time, I was complete. I just was not a country fan right. at all. But I needed a full-time job. They were offering insurance. And I remember – when I applied for it and I went in for the interview, the program director, you know, he was he was pretty impressed with me. He said, we're going to give you the 7 p.m. to midnight shift. We're going to give you the evening shift. And he said, we're, we're going to change your name. You're not going to be Stephanie Davis anymore, though. And I was like, OK. And <laughs> he says, you're, you're going to be Lee Collier. Lee Collier. That Lee rolls right Collier. off the tongue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my, my sister is Charlotte Hendry and my, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I thought it was ridiculous. But then he told me that he was going to pay me a salary of $15,000 a year. What year would have this been? Mm, gosh, nineteen eighty-nine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was the musical background of your childhood? Like, what, what, you know, growing up, what was around you musically? Well, my dad was a rock and roll fan. He uh, he listened to a lot of Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young. He listened to Bob Dylan. He listened to Elton John. Um, my mother was more of a folk music fan, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, at what point did you own music for the first time? Um, that you chose to own, not that you know you you inherited or found or was gifted, but you like said i 'm going to use my resources to get some music that would have been 
Barry Manilow's wow. 45. It was a 45. Yeah. Um, and it was called Mandy. Oh, yeah. You know, Barry Manilow's part of my psyche because that's what my mom listened to when I was a kid. There you go. I don't listen, <laughs> I don't listen to Barry these days, that's for sure. But I'm sure if you put on Mandy, we could sing it together. <laughs> well, my mom was uh, my mom was okay. I spent, was, she was okay with Barry Manilow. And I spent a lot of time with my grandmother, too. And she was okay if I listened to The Carpenters. So there were certain, you know, uh, parameters there as far as like what, you know, I think I was I think I was eight or nine when I got that forty five, and I got it with you know money that I had gotten for Christmas or something. Uh, what is the um, the earliest musical memory you can conjure, whether it be you know well just anything, just something that crystallized? Um, listening to and you're going to laugh, but it's true. Uh, listening to Petula Clark's Downtown. <laughs> The song Downtown and Where All the Lights Are Bright, Downtown. And uh, it was in my baby book. My mom had a baby book and it said, you know, music baby likes or whatever. And mom had put Downtown by Petula Clark. So I remember being really, really young and that song just sounding so happy. It was just such a happy town and it made me want to go – happy song. And it made me want to go downtown. Wherever did you even – yeah, did you even know what downtown was? It was no, like but the, the uh, Emerald Kingdom at that point. It's where all the lights were bright. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever dabbled in making of music? I mean with an instrument, not singing. Oh, Goodness, no. No, Never. that's not your vibe? Okay, no. now let's talk about singing. Now, mm. you've been in uh, many uh, productions over the years. Have you been in any musicals? I have never been in a musical. I I always have considered myself a very, very good singer. Um, I sing beautifully in the car. Um, I sing really, really well, uh, you know, after several cocktails, I think. Um, but... I wanted to be in a production of The Sound of Music and this is when uh, my ex-husband and I were married and we were up in Fort Walton Beach and the local community college was doing a production of Sound of Music. So I thought, well, I'll go down and audition and I'll play Maria. Yeah, of course you I'll, will. Yeah, I'll play the lead, you know, because <laughs> who else? I mean, right, right. So I, I didn't know any songs to sing. So I just thought, well, I'll just sing Happy Birthday. So I remember I went into <laughs> the, uh, the audition room and there was a, a, a guy behind, you know, behind the piano and then there was the director and might have been a couple of other folks who were in charge. And, and you know, they said, what are you going to sing? And I said, oh, I'm going to go with Happy Birthday. And they kind of chuckled a little. They thought maybe that was funny. And so I, I commenced to singing. <clears throat> and um, I think about four seconds into it, they all stopped. And the piano player said, I, I need you to stop, okay? And he said, I, I'm going to uh, hit a note on my piano, and I want you to duplicate that note with your voice. And I said, okay, no problem. <laughs> so he, he did. And then I did. And, and they said, said next. <laughs> yeah, he said, I'm going to do it one more time. And he, and he did another note. And I did it again. And I will never forget. And he, he looked at me. He said, my dear, you are clinically tone deaf. Hmm. He was a doctor and a pianist. <laughs> <laughs> but he's absolutely right. And my husband, as much as he loves me, uh, when I start singing, he just – Begs me to, so you, to please stop. But you, um, so you're one of those people who who loves to sing and still sings despite the fact oh, that you gosh, are yes. aware of your lack of. Oh yes. When was the last time you did karaoke? Uh, it was a couple of Sundays, no, a couple of Saturdays ago. I did. Uh, Devil went down to Georgia. Right on. It's a good choice for someone who's tone deaf because it's mostly spoken word. Right. <laughs> Do you have a go-to song for uh, for karaoke? Maybe that's it, or in that the, one. In the, in the, the second one is Delta Dawn. Delta Dawn. What's that? I don't know that. Delta Dawn by Tanya Tucker. Delta. Oh, I shouldn't sing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we could we could auto tune it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, what was the um the when was the last time you bought music that had a physical form? You seem like you're pretty high-tech, so you're probably all about streaming and Pandora and things like that, right? The last one that I bought that had a physical form would have been Liz Fair's Exile in Guyville because my CD broke and that was – had to have been 15 years ago. Oh, wow. OK. So how do you consume music then? What is your go-to sources? Uh 
I mean, you you probably iTunes, listen to it on the much. radio a lot because you're yeah, playing it. Yeah, pretty much iTunes, the radio. Yeah, I, I I still listen to the radio. What what role did mixtapes play in your arc? Oh gosh, um, everything. I mean, mixtapes were how I communicated with my boyfriends. You know, like um, <laughs> when I in high school and and on up until my twenties, uh, I always made cassette tapes and I always. Did my own art on them with oh, I could see that. Yeah, I could flowers see that. and hearts and things like that. And I put songs on there that had the lyrics of what I wanted to say to the guy, but but couldn't. So they were they were my mixtapes were almost like musical love letters. Did you ever uh, you know successfully woo a, a young boy through your musical tastes? No, I think I actually scared them. Um, <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> I listen to a lot of you know female heavy uh, you know feminist music, and so uh, I may have frightened them off. A little bit. Do you remember the last time you made a mix for someone of any kind, whether it be a playlist like we do today, or a CD burning compilation, or something like that? Yeah, I think it was. I made it. I made it. I burned a CD for my mom, and that was a, again. It was a really, really long time ago. But um, my mom started to. Uh, really liked the music that I was listening to in the 90s. And so I started making um, CDs for her so that she could listen to them. All right. Well, let's get to your first song. What do, you, uh, what, do, what do you have for us and why did you choose it? Well, my first song is by Janice Ian. And when I was um, probably around – I guess I was around 11, my parents split up <clears throat> and my mother um, – uh, started dating a woman. And this was in the seventies. This was, you know, in the you know mid to late seventies, around I would say nineteen seventy seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Linda and uh, my mom and I, we we lived together. Was this shocking to you? Was this not shocking to you? Do you remember? It how It was made extremely you feel? shocking yeah. to me right. because it was it was this was before Ellen and before yeah, oh, sure, you know sure. before it was cool and it to was have your mom. yeah. Now it's kind of cool to have two dads or two moms, which right. I love. I love that it's just, it's a new world for kids now. You know, it's it's not as um, it's it's not as scary. But back then, it was it was very you know it was different. It oh, was, absolutely. Um, and um, but we used to go camping a lot. Linda had a like an airstream camper, mm-hmm. and we would go uh, to campgrounds around Ohio. This is when I was still in Ohio, okay. and uh, we would go around and and you know camp. and And Mom and Linda would invite friends, and uh, they'd get out the Blue Nun wine, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know I I would be there, and uh, they were always listening to Joan Baez, uh, Janice Ian. Uh, Judy Collins. Um, they were listening to a lot, a lot of that music, and um, you know, they put me to bed, and I would be in like the bunk in the back. But yeah, you could still uh, hear everything. I could still hear yeah. the music, and it, and then I remember it was eight tracks, it was eight track tapes. To junk. Yeah, and um, I just remember all they would listen to Janice Ian's album. It was called Between the Lines, and they would listen to it over and over and over again. And I think it was their album. You know, mm-hmm. and um, there was there was one song on there that it was dramatic. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to grow up and be an actress. So it was dramatic, and it was um, really powerful, and it was sad, but it was somehow comforting. And when I got older. And you know, my mom and Linda were together for twenty years, and they they ended up splitting up. And um, after but they that, were together for twenty years. They were hmm. yes, and uh, but after they split up and all that, I thought I want to listen to that that album again. And I I went and got it, and I remember you know putting it you know, the CD on, and and it just brought back this flood of memories, and. I realized just how powerful this the song was to yeah. me. It was, um, you know, the winters in in Ohio were very cold. The name of the song is "In the Winter," and um, but again, and there's there's something comforting about it as well. But you also got to hear it then through sort of a you know you were grown up then you know you were older. Yes, you, you could you could suddenly hear it through yes. not only your young brain but your mom's brain to some degree. Exactly. Right. Okay. Well, let's hear it. This is um, In the Winter by Janice Ian. 
It's Stephanie Davis's first song on this episode of Three Song Stories. You know, um, as we conceptualized this song and walked around and talked about it, Richard and I would come up with the songs that neither of us, like, we, we had no defense toward. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, they took us. Like, we, we couldn't do it. Let's do it every time. And it still got us. And that, I saw that. That got you in a, in a deep way. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it just sets off such a range of emotions. And uh, I've, I've actually often thought about writing down the lyrics and using it as a dramatic monologue. Absolutely. Because it has all that there. It's, it's, it's a story and it's, um, it's – parts of it are triumphant. You could think of it as triumphant but also just desperate and sad and lonely and yeah. When was the last time you listened to it? Uh, last time I listened to it, I listened to it probably – once every couple of weeks, so I couldn't tell you. Okay, I, so this I'll, still remains. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll just YouTube it. And I'll be up late. <laughs> Do you listen to other stuff by Janice Ian? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's I mean the, the whole um, Between the Lines album is one of my favorites, and um, she actually came to Fort Myers one time. Huh. Uh, she she came uh, to the Orbit nightclub. <laughs> And uh, do you remember Orbit? Oh, of course. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, remember, remember Gay who ran it? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, Gay Levine. And, um, yeah, yeah. She brought Janice Cena. is a very, you know, she's a uh, – She's a lesbian poet. She's a lesbian legend. I mean, she's a, she's very she, – she came out, you know, um, like I think she came out in the 80s. And so – she came to town and I was so worried when I heard she was coming to town because I thought nobody's going to – in Fort Myers is going to come out for Janiceian. I mean I'm going to be right there front and center for Janiceian, <laughs> trust me, but nobody's going to come out. But yeah, indeed, um, there were just – there were a lot of women there and um, Linda was there and I hadn't seen her in years. They, wow. My mom and Linda had split up and Linda was with her, her – um, her new partner. Did did, uh, did Janice Ian play this song? She did not. Oh. I asked her to play it and she said she couldn't. Didn't have the string section with she her. She said she couldn't <laughs> do it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So. Um, okay, that song moves you, obviously. Do you remember the first time music moved you in some way or caused just some sort of, uh, you know, emotional um, change of pitch in your experience? Yes. And I think it was when I was around, I guess I was around 15, 14 or 15, maybe 15, um, Led Zeppelin's In Through the Outdoor mm-hmm. album mm-hmm. and the song All of My Love, mm-hmm. which is another really with, with a big orchestra yeah, and yeah. lots of strings. And, and it's also really dramatic and has these highs and lows and um, – so that was that was one of the first albums I ever bought, and mm. it was really cool because it was, if I remember correctly, it was it was like a sepia toned album cover, and you could uh, it, dip a paintbrush into water and color it. Oh wow! I didn't and, know that. With, and make it, you painted it like a watercolor. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Huh. So. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, you know we're not this 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 podcast is not about your favorite songs. It's about your storied songs. Mm-hmm. So what was your fourth story that almost made it to the uh, to the show, but you had to you know drop it? Oh, that's so hard. That's so hard. Um, it was it was Queen Killer Queen. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, you got a thirty-second version of the story you didn't get to um, tell. <laughs> it, it just reminds me when I was when I was pregnant with with my son, I I went past my due date, and I was I was a stay-at-home, you know, uh, military wife, and I would listen to that song a lot, and I would I was like hugely pregnant, like hugely pregnant. My son was nine pounds and three ounces when mm. he was born, and I would dance. Around our dining room uh, to Killer Queen, I had this very elaborate ballet that I would do to Killer Queen, and it just made me feel very empowered. And I felt, you know, like I don't know when you're when you have a, a human growing inside yeah. of you, you sort of feel like you're a queen. And, right. And I also had heard that the more you move. When, right. you're, when, when you're getting ready to have a baby, the more you might go into labor. Oh, so you're trying to induce labor with Killer Queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, does dancing play a role in your life today? I love to dance. I dance all the time. I dance like Elaine on Seinfeld. <laughs> I was a wedding. You dance I, like you sing? <laughs> oh, yeah. I dance. I'm a ridiculous dancer, but it doesn't stop me. I was at a wedding this past weekend, and I was out on the dance floor. I kicked my shoes off. I was out there just jumping up and down, and I love to dance. What was the best concert you've ever attended? I haven't t- attended a lot of concerts. Okay. Um, uh, like you, Which is interesting I, for a radio person. I know. But like you, I grew up here and we didn't get a whole lot at the Lee Civic Center You know, right. um, when, when I was younger. So I would have to say that – oh, gosh, that's such a hard one. But I would have to say that I, I had a great time at the Lilith Fair. OK. Um, you know, we took Where a, would that have been? It was over in West Palm. Oh, right, right. Yeah. OK. The, the Indigo Girls, Sarah McLachlan. Uh, we, we took a, a bus over there. You know, went Who over was there. we? I went with um, – uh, Liz Abbott. Okay. And I went with a bunch I've heard of, that name. Yes, you have. <laughs> and we went over there with uh, a bunch of radio station winners. Uh, Liz was was working at the station as well. She was doing our voice imaging. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, she uh, was the voice, betwe- the voice between songs. Makes uh, sense. You're listening to 99X. Yes, the, the um, smoky voice of Liz Very, Abbott. yeah. And so <laughs> we, we went over there with a bunch of radio station winners that had, had won tickets. And it was just great. We're out on the lawn. I, you know, I'd never been to a sort of festival type thing yeah. like that. And you were there as a radio person with people who were you know, listeners. And so yeah. you, were, you, know, you were your personality as well as yourself. Yeah, it was super fun. Cool. Um, well, let's move on to song two. Okay. What is it? Uh, it's Super Tramp. Mm-hmm. And it's the logical song. Mm-hmm. And it came out um, – actually, I think it came out before this period of my life. But it – actually, maybe it was around that period. I don't have I'm, – I'm not using my phone to Google dates or anything like that because we're not using our phones. That's okay. song stories. Um, but um, – when I was around – when I was 15, um, I got expelled from school. Oh, for what? Uh, truancy. Oh, so they kicked you out for not coming. They kicked me out for not coming. Um, I had finished eighth grade at Benita Middle and then I went through ninth grade at Cypress Lake High School. Mm-hmm. But I failed because I didn't go very much. And so uh, they tried to – to save me, and they said, "Well, we'll we'll start you over, um, and you can you have to repeat the ninth grade, so you'll only go to a ninth because I was pretty smart. I mean, I wasn't you know, so with that that wasn't the problem. Yeah, yeah. I was just bored. You because, had other interests. Well, at that time, it's really ironic because Cypress Lake High School now is a center for the arts, right? And back then, they didn't even have a theater program. I mean, right. you were either a pantherette or a cheerleader, or you could be in the the band, but as we've already talked about, I have no musical talents whatsoever. So there really wasn't anything for me. It was a big sports school. Yeah, yeah. There just was no theater here, and that's that's all I wanted to do. And so if they didn't have that, then I would take. You know, I would, we lived on Fort Myers Beach. We, uh, mom and Linda and I, moved there when I was in just after seventh grade, and so I would take the bus into the school bus into into town to, to Cypress Lake and uh, I'd get off the school bus and I'd walk across the street and I'd wait for Lee Tran, the city bus, to come along and I'd jump on that <laughs> and I would take it downtown to downtown Fort Myers, which in 1979-1980 was, you know, it was a ghost town then. Yeah, yeah that, was, I, that was during the valley. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. And so, but my reasoning for going down there is I wanted to go to the library. So I would go to the downtown library and um, look at scripts and look at plays and read plays. You know, that's what I did. And then I'd get on the, the bus again, go back to the high school, get on the, the school bus and then go back home. So two different forms of public transportation mm-hmm, for very yeah. different reasons. For long days, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I, I could have you know continued on. But tenth grade held no interest for me either. And you know, the more you skip school, the more you hang out with other people who are skipping school. Right. <laughs> and not everybody was skipping school to go to the library and read plays. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's you not know, the right kind of feedback loop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Um, uh, I just became a handful, and uh, I was sent to a a camp in northern Florida. Um, 
actually north of Gainesville. It's uh, uh, called the Eck- – it was run by Jack Eckerd and his wife, Jack and Ruth Eckerd who – Like Eckerd College? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was for uh, girls who had kind of fallen out of the system, like um, really didn't know what to do with them. A lot of them were foster kids. Um, but there were a few, uh, like myself, where uh, our parents paid for us to go there and it was uh, – you lived in tents – in the woods. Right up your alley, it seems <laughs> right like. Right <laughs> up my alley. Uh, we built our own tents. We, um, we slept in you know, cots. We had outdoor bathrooms. We cooked our own food and uh, had no contact with the outside world. We had no radio. We had no music. We had no magazines. We had no newspapers. We had no television. Holy moly. Yeah. So I was there for a year and a half. And What? Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. – Wow. Yeah. Well, you got every six weeks, you had what they called Homes Day. So every six weeks, you got to go home for three days. So I would get to go home, but um, a lot of the girls that were at the camp had nowhere to go. They would go to they would go they they would do something. They would go to foster homes, or they would go home with one of the chiefs. Well, we called them the chiefs. They were counselors. Right. Right. And um, so this song just really resonated with that t- uh, period in my life of um, I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't conforming and uh, this song really spoke to me. So this is um, The Logical Song mm-hmm. by Supertramp. This is Stephanie Davis' second song. Brings her back to her time in the woods in North Florida. You're listening to Three Song Stories. This is Biography Through Music. How old would you have been at that time, at that camp? Uh, I was there from the age of 15 till just after I turned 17. One of the questions we've asked sometimes on the show is, how would your 15-year-old self think about how you turned out? Oh, she would have been so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she would have been really, really happy. It sounds like if that song resonates with that time, you were really grasping for uh, self-understanding, self-definition. Yeah, very much so. It was, um, yeah, I felt very out of place in, you know, Fort Myers, Florida. I wanted to be somewhere else doing something else. I wanted to be, uh, you know, I just wanted to be understood. And uh, I just didn't feel like I, there was a place for me here. And, um, you know, so the song resonated. It's this kind of song that when I, I don't listen to it, it's like I go to it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in the car and it comes on the radio, I crank it. And, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And it takes me right back there. Um, so um, what would be an album that we, you you can play over and over again and never feel like skipping any of the tracks? Sinead O'Connor, The Lion and the Cobra. Well, that was easy. Yeah. Is that the only one? Um. Let's see. <laughs> Liz Fair, Exile in Guyville is another one. And we already talked about this, Janice in Between the Lines. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said you listen mostly through uh, um, uh, iTunes. Do you listen to albums in their album form these days or is it all song by song? Mostly it's song by song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mostly. Do you think you do you think I mean do you do you think we're missing out somehow because of that? Oh, totally. Yeah, I don't listen to music like I used to anymore, and that makes me sad. You know, it, it really does. It's um, I'll pick. You know, I'll go to Pandora and I'll put in Sinead O'Connor Radio, and it'll give me. Yeah, and it's pleasurable. It's totally. Yeah, I mean they know what you want to hear. Yeah, they sure do. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely do. But yeah, it's it's not the same as you know being in your living room with a bunch of CDs or cassette tapes or you know scattered all around. And hey, you got to hear this one, and you got to hear this one, and putting them on and listening to them, and you know. Yeah, um, and I don't think. I'm not sure many artists make albums with the concept of uh, album arc in mind anymore. You know what I mean? Because yeah. of our habits. It's like our musical uh, – the way we can access music piecemeal has changed the way people think about making albums. I agree, yeah, unfortunately. I think there's something probably lost in that shuffle. Um, was there a song 
You've mentioned, you know, singing Killer Queen, dancing around with your boy in your belly. Is there a song that was a lullaby? Um, I used to sing to <laughs> my poor child. I used to sing to Nicholas, um, you know, to, to make him go to sleep. But the song went like this. Go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, little baby. <laughs> and that was it. I made it up all by myself. I think I did. I don't know. I got it from somewhere. But um, my son and I shared have, – have shared and continue to share music together. Um, you know, I was I was the – I was the bad mom who took her 12-year-old to see 8 Mile because he loved Eminem and, you know, uh, and, you know, he he also enjoys Sinead O'Connor and um, there's – she has a couple songs. She has a son the same age as my son and she had her son at the same time that I had my son. So um, she has, you know, she has a song called My Darling Child, mm-hmm. which is a really beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah. Hmm. You know, you talk about you were the bad mom that took your son to see uh, 8 Mile or whatever. Um, uh, the episode of this that came out today with Cole Peacock, we talk about um, uh, I, I and Sam took Gwen to Bonnaroo when she was three. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Um, is there a, a TV theme song you could sing on demand? Thank you for being a- <laughs> No, don't, don't put that in my head. Um, uh <laughs> now, now that's in my head. Sorry, it's, it's, no, it. it's never going to go away. Although, um, uh, just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started on this mighty shore aboard this tiny ship. Do I sound that toned up? No, I, think I was going to say, I don't, I don't see any evidence of toned upness. Right? I think somebody just gave you a complex yeah, early on. Yeah, it ruined me. I could be like a major musical star on Broadway right now. So where are you musically today, and how much does your on-air time at 93X influence where you are musically today, or are you just in there you know, talking between the songs they want you to play? No, I listen to I listen to 93X a lot. I like I like the music. Um, uh, you know, there's there's a, there's a you know a few bands that I like. Um, I, I go. I really. I, there's a band out right now called Greta Van Fleet hmm. that I really like. That's not a Fox News host. Uh, <laughs> no, no, Greta Van. <laughs> Fleet. Okay, and uh, and they they actually sound they're they're just they sound like seventies rock and roll, hmm. just ripping guitars. And um, my husband is a huge fan of Pink. Okay, my husband. You guys recently saw them, in yes, con- or her did. in concert. I know we that did. because of Facebook. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> and yeah, Todd's. It's funny. I mean, he is a sixty year old man who he loves golf and he loves uh, football and and he loves cars and all the things that and he loves pink it's, any idea how that weird. got started he just thinks she's you know he just thinks he's really she's really talented he just heard her on the radio and then he went and you know i don't know which song and then he went and he bought her cd and he just he just thinks she's incredibly talented i don't like pink too i mean i think pink is fine um it's not really my i think it's, i think pink is more kind of pop star-ish mm-hmm. but then when we went to the concert, I was like, this woman is amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's got a, a great message of female empowerment. She's um, uh, politically, you know, she was um, – actually, I actually wrote a column about this for Florida Weekly. But she was showing, um, you know, on the screen behind her, uh, kids from Parkland, you know, from uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. And she's – you know she's she's great. She's and and she and she was flying around the stadium on a wire, and she's had two kids. And she, I mean, um, yeah, all all the respect in the world to Pink. She's great. Um, is there a band that you're a big fan of that you think that a lot of our listeners would not be familiar with? Sort of, if something that is sort of off the beaten path. I have to think about a band necessarily, or you know, um, or yeah, you know, a musical act of some sort. Um. I really love Joan Armitrading, and I don't know that a lot of listeners know who Joan Armitrading is. I know the name, is. but I couldn't. Yeah, she's never – she's not ever really had any radio hits. Um, but I – when uh, when I first got into radio at Light and Easy 99, there was another guy who was, who was working there, and he was also a board operator. His name was Eric, and he was from Seattle. 
And he was really smart and he knew a lot about music. And he started introducing, he made me mixtapes. And he introduced me to a lot of music that I had never heard of before in Fort Myers listening to the three radio stations I think we had then. And I mean, you know, I would buy Rolling Stone and read about music, but, uh, you know, I didn't, at that time I couldn't afford cable. I didn't have MTV or anything. Anyway, so, um, Eric introduced me to Joan Armatrading and uh, there's a – actually, that is another one that I could listen to, the whole album. It's called Track Record and uh, she's British and uh, uh, she's she's just a she's – she's, I guess you'd call her a folk artist. Um, but also Kate Bush is mm. a, a – but he, all, he also introduced me to Kate Bush and um, – yeah, so I he he was very influential in me finding the music that I that I that I liked that you know he gravitated me towards it and then I kind of took it from there and mm. found the stuff that I liked. Record Bar or Rainbow Records? Record Bar. <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name. He was really tall and thin. Yeah. He there. Oh, he was... up in the left on the yeah. He kind of looked like Brian May from Queen. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, I remember the record bar so well. Gold mine was right next door. Yeah. Oh, Ives bookshop fort. right down the yes, way. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Do you miss record stores? Yes, I do. I mean, I spent a lot of time in Specs. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I do. I do miss walking around and 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 looking and seeing the. I I love album art. I'm a yeah. big fan of album art. Do you ever go into the uh, place downtown, what's called Joe's, or the little record store I right there across from Sydney and Byrne? a million times, and I have not been in there, to be honest with you. I stopped in there just once real quickly. It's really cool. You should go by. Cool. Give it a shout out. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, it is time to pivot to song number three. Okay. Um, it is uh, Sinead O'Connor, uh, and I discovered Sinead O'Connor. I think I I read about her in a magazine and um and then I went and I think I got her I think I got the cassette tape at Specs. And I remember I'd read a lot about her. She was this emerging, mm-hmm. you know, nineteen year old Irish girl with a bald head and who was totally bucking the system mm-hmm. and was you know and was um you know, singing about things that um, that she wanted to sing about. She was like, make, you know, making her own rules in music. And um, <clears throat> I remember I, I just I had to hear her. And I got in my car and I put, put, the, put the cassette tape in. And I think I just sat in that parking lot and just listened to it. I mean, just like, wow, this is this is great. And um, about, when would that, about when would that have been? That would have been in the that would have been in the early early 90s i think i think the um these dates are going to be all i mean i apologize for i can't, i'm not good with dates That's and stuff okay. but um but it it would have been i was in my early 20s mm-hmm. and um yeah and so the lion and the cobra was was very critically acclaimed and it's still i think one of the best uh albums ever and i just I related to her and I related to her music and um, this song, uh, I was actually seeing a, a movie. Uh, I, I can't even remember the name of the movie. I was watching a movie and this song was in the movie. And, oh my gosh, they used this Sinead O'Connor song that's on this album that I love so much. And it's um, it, it's just a uh, – this. I walked down the aisle when I got married to my second husband to this song. This was oh, wow. my This is my wedding music. And it, uh, it's just, I just think it's beautiful. I think it's about love and um, just one of my very favorite, most lovely songs and that really brought me to figure out what kind of music that I wanted to listen to and what kind of music I liked. And what's, what's it called? It's called Just Like You Said It Would Be. Right. This is... Uh Just Like You Said It Would Be by Sinead O'Connor. You're listening to Three Song Stories. You said you walked down the aisle of that song? Yes, I did. (laughs) Was it a rock and roll wedding? Isn't it beautiful? Oh, it's so beautiful, but it's also so just sort of... Uh, kind of in your face a little bit. You yeah, know? that's one of her least in the in your face songs there is. I know this that's is crazy. The, that's like her 
ballady like pretty song. So um, yeah. When you listen back to it now, I mean, you know, lyrics have meaning at certain times and places. But then the more experience you have, the more you might be able to dig into the to the lyrics and their meaning. Do you? I mean, how does it feel listening to it these days as compared to maybe if you try to dip back into your consciousness as you know a person in the early nineties? It's still a very pretty song, mm-hmm. I think, and I think that her voice is so beautiful. Um, but the defiant tone that she has in it doesn't resonate with me as much now as it did then. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you've been um, uh, on the air as a, as a radio personality for many years. Have mm-hmm. you met any of your um, idols? I got to I got to do a phone interview with Sinead. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Wow. Were you uh, like shaking in your boots? I was a wreck. I was an absolute wreck. Um, but she had a she had put out a uh, a record and um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, it was actually an LP. It was like a four song right. um, uh, record a CD that she put out. And when I was working at ninety nine X, so it would have been I think about ninety seven or ninety eight, and it was really sort of inappropriate for me to interview Sinead O'Connor on the air. I mean, we were mostly a, we were a music station. Right, you were going a little bit outside the lines. But for it that. actually wasn't me. It was my music director. His name was Lee Daniels. And I remember Lee Daniels. Yes, and yeah, I saw yeah. South Park for the first time at his house. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Lee Lee's son and my son. Uh, and our general manager at the radio station, Joe Bell, uh, his son, all three of them, Austin, Logan, and Nicholas, all hung out together. They're all still like best friends, and they all watch South Park and <laughs> together with Lee. Um, but uh, <laughs> Lee was uh, working with uh, whoever was pushing Sinead's album, uh, right. LP, and I was doing middays at the time, and I was the PD. He was the music director, and uh, he. He came in and we had just been bought by another company and we knew that the direction of the radio station was going to change into more – what I was running was was what was called a modern AC station. Mm-hmm. And then when we were bought by another company, it was going to go into more of a new rock and appeal to more eight, men 18 to 24. Mm-hmm. So we knew that my format and my days there were uh, maybe a little numbered, and I was, you know, actually getting an opportunity to uh, help build Florida Repertory Theater. Uh, so I was in a kind of transition state, and uh, uh, Lee came into the into uh, the studio. I was on the air at the time. I was doing. I had a, a show called the Retro Eighties Diva, and where I would play, you know, retro eighties music. Then, and uh, I was doing my show, and he came in. and He goes, you know what? They want you to interview Sinead O'Connor on the air, and I think you should do it. I said, Lee, I can't. I'll die. I'll die. Yeah. And he said, Nope. He he goes, You got to do it. You got to do it. And I was just, I was a wreck. I mean, there she was on the phone with her beautiful Irish accent, and we're talking on the phone. And I'm like, We both have sons the same age and I was talking to her, to her about her, her kids and her her and how much her music had influenced me I didn't ask anything that a normal interviewer sure. would ask Why like would you? so when's the record coming out what's your concert tour looking like you know I none of that I was like so tell me about you know your baby that you just <laughs> like I like she's my best friend but she actually she she, she probably so, she, really appreciated she, that. she was totally cool with it yeah, yeah. she was great she was huh. amazing um, you know, uh, maybe it's so obvious that you just never did, but now that you're thinking of music through this lens, did it ever occur to you over the years and over the decades, frankly, that you were putting music out into the world that was going to create these kinds of bonds between listeners and those songs? No, <laughs> it did not. Um, but I did have a lot of opportunities when I was at 99X to uh, to play music uh, on that station that – most most folks in Fort Myers wouldn't get an opportunity yeah. to hear. You know, I was able to, to play Fiona Apple yeah. and the Cranberries. But, you know, and, it doesn't even take, you know, what we think of as cool music. I mean, any song yeah. is someone's oh, yeah. song. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? That's yes. what's crazy. That's Absolutely. what's occurred to me as yeah. we do these is like, you know, I almost listen to the radio differently now mm-hmm. because I'm like someone driving around next to me is listening to the song and remembering something that happened so to it. You know, it's yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. Oh, 
Okay. Um, That's big. Yeah, it is. It is big. Um, so if you only could have one album that you had to listen to on a you know an island by yourself forever, what's the music? Maybe not by yourself, but the, you know the song that you have to, or the album. I think it would be Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because kind of the like, kind of like the perfect album? It, it, it is. It is. Yeah, and, I can and, see that. And it has, you know, it, it just has so much variety and you just don't get sick of it. You know, when when a song, when one of the, one of the songs from, from that album comes on, you just, you know, again, you crank, you crank the volume and it's, uh, you know, it's like a warm blanket. Is there any song that for whatever reason, if it comes on the radio, you immediately turn it off, whether it because you just don't like it musically or because it, it, it has a negative connotation with a memory. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> I hate that song with every fiber of my being. It's not funny. It's not funny. They think it's funny. It's not funny. It's stupid. I hate it. You're hating it. It's funny to me. But <laughs> next time I hear that song, and that's the other thing that's happened because of this podcast is, it you know, do, doing this mm-hmm. creates memories mm-hmm. that then influence how we hear music. You know what I mean? Yes. So I guarantee you next time I hear that song, <laughs> I'm going to text you. <laughs> Oh, okay. Awful. Well, uh, well, that is it. That's all the time that we've got. Um, I want to thank you very much for doing this. It's been a, a real treat, and um, just thank you for every. Oh, and real quick, Diva, where'd that come from? Um, that's it, it's it's not it's not a quick story, but I'll give you the condensed Reader's Digest condensed version. Well, it's a um, podcast. If you got my, to take a yeah, couple minutes. Um, we got the time. Okay. Um, I used to go to South Beach in the nineties, yeah, in the yeah. early nineties, uh, because that was where we could see music and art and people and color and culture. And there was a column in the Miami Herald, and it was called "Queen of the Night" by a woman named Tara Solomon. And when I started writing for Route Forty One, oh, I newspaper, remember Route Forty One. Sure. Um, you know, back back in the Liquid Cafe days, oh, and, yes. and all that. Um, I was trying to think of, you know, a a name for my column that was going to be talking about downtown and my amazing hairdresser, Michael Wilde. And I I said, you know, I really admire the queen of the night in in South Beach. And he said, well, that's good. That makes you the downtown diva. There you have it. I had no idea. And now we've put it out there to the world. All right. Well, I want to thank my guest. Stephanie Davis is the downtown diva. Check out her column in Floor Weekly if you don't already. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU on the FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our show's producer, director, and co-creator is Richard Chinqui. Our online content producers are Tara Callaghan and Anna Bay Hirano. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme music was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. Before today's parting tune, I want to remind you that we want your best song stories. What song takes you back to a great story? If you've got one, just record it onto your phone and send it to mysongstory at wgcu.org. We're going to start using your parting tunes one of these days. For my parting tune this week, I want to hearken back to the 90s and 99X around when I first met Stephanie, and it didn't take long to find the right song. I can remember working at the Broken Niblet Golf Shop with 99X playing as our background soundtrack when the song Banditos by a band called The Refreshments came on. It was a big hit at the time, kind of got played out, frankly. It's the one that starts out with the phrase, Look deep into my eyes like I was a supermodel, uh-huh. Well, it caught my attention, so I got their album called Fizzy Fuzzy Big and Buzzy, and it still sits on my top ten list today, and probably my top five list in terms of albums I've listened to the most number of times. I think it's just about perfect, frankly. My song choice is not Banditos. That one did get played out. But another track on that album called I Don't Want to Know. I'm not going to dig too deep into the details here now, but in retrospect, this song is likely the beginning of the spark of the flame that fueled my dismount from that life and my grand leap into the one I'm living now, which all began with a big cross-country road trip that I've alluded to a few times here. This is I Don't Want to Know by The Refreshments, who, by the way, also did the theme song for King of the Hill, I'm Mike Canary. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. Life was rough. You had to have your your radio on your boombox, and you had to have your blank tape in the cassette player ready. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, I mean, the the, the blood, sweat, and tears that went into making a good mixtape. Whew.